Bigger than Capes. Give me some outside. Yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to it, and then I watched it. Oh, 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 o
I, and I, you know, was it um, Sharky the Bounty Hunter, which apparently they'd said that they were going to adapt even before the comic book series started. So yeah. I, I guess there's things that are allegedly in the works that maybe we'll see in the next year, year or two, maybe. I don't. Indeed. But as of yet, I'm not tired of the kind of uh, parody or, as we say, like old superhero TV series. I think we could reach that maximum velocity pretty quick. But as of right now, I think The Boys and Umbrella Academy um, are different enough that they both kind of work together. And Mm. I'm hoping this fills a, a kind of third slot. But I do worry that some of the um, that some like really crappy stuff basically <laughs> is made in the wave of the success, uh, and really, you know, the the bandwagoners sort of jump on and make uh, as much it's like superhero content as they can. Mm, that's true. Um, yeah, I think there is some risk of that, and. It's a shame because I know we've got stuff like Black Hammer that's meant to be in the works and other such ideas that are super cool. So I I do wonder how everything's going to stack. Yeah, but there are some like Deadly Class that managed a season and was cancelled because... Uh, also true, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was really hard to watch in the UK as well. Like they didn't, they didn't make it easy. I think it's finally it. like easily available now, isn't it? Which seems yeah. a little bit too it's too, too late. late. <laughs> <laughs> when you've told us we're not getting any more of it, it's kind of um, not that urgent to watch, is it? No, no, indeed. But speaking of adaptations, uh, that leads nicely into my first bit of news. So. Killtopia is a a series that's been uh, mainly through Kickstarter been funded mm-hmm. um, and has just had the third issue funded and hopefully I'll be getting it soon. Um, and when I say issue, these are almost like mini volumes. They are, yeah. I think, 60 to 70 page books uh, that are considered issues. So there have only been three issues, but that's probably a, volu- a full volumes worth of yeah about nine nine regular issues anyway my point being is alongside their kickstarter for issue number three they announced that they're going to make a kind of tv series um made completely with the unreal engine so like a video Mm. game engine okay um it's going to be written by and i assume in some way made by phil gellert or Gelat. Apologies for brutalizing that. But the guy who was um, responsible for Love, Death and Robots. Okay, oh, that's interesting. On Netflix. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to be like eight 20-minute episodes, I think just covering the first issue. Hmm. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that. I think that could be something real different again. I really like the world of Killtopia. It's a like Blade Runner, but with more like garish neon um it's got some cool characters in there some really like mad maxian style spiky shoulder pads and uh that sort of look um 
and I think it would work really well as an animation. So looking forward to that. That that does sound really cool. Um, I haven't read any of the issues yet, but I I will. I, it definitely looks my my kind of thing. Also, did I you just invent the word Mad Maxian? Uh, I mean, it, it may have been coined today. We should send this to ourselves <laughs> in the post for <laughs> future liabilities. Um, I, I feel like we're going to have to like send a lot of stuff to ourselves in the post at this point, right? You know, we, we, we come out with some good stuff. Own, yeah, Write our own little dictionary of, uh, of terms we, we coin. Or at least think we've coined. <laughs> yeah, it's almost invariably in use somewhere else on the internet. But did they post it to themselves? That's the real question, isn't that? I, I do wonder in this kind of modern era, do you have to post things to yourselves physically or can you like email yourself or like, you know, post on your own Facebook wall and we're like. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like it's all about being time time stamped, isn't it? Yeah. So wow, this, this, this isn't going to make it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Almost definitely doesn't need to be in the podcast, but will I remember to cut it? That's the real question. That's the um, question. <laughs> so, Whilst we're on Kickstarters, man, our segues are good today. We should segue game is on it. Yeah, we're gonna have to celebrate this. Um, so currently we've got about two weeks to go, maybe even three weeks to go on um, the Inferno Girl Red Kickstarter, which we yeah. did kind of briefly touch upon when we talked about Radiant Black a couple of months ago. Um, although I think we talked about it at a time before any like official announcements had been really made i think it was just the advert at the back of radiant black wasn't it was yeah we knew about it and originally it was going to be dragon girl red now it's inferno girl red it's going to be written by matt groom and drawn by erica dierso erica dierso erica dierso uh i'm just going to keep saying it until it seems really natural and normal um (laughs) and it is going to be edited by kyle higgins who wrote um radiant black and power rangers it's got a similar kind of, yeah, similar kind of Power Rangers transforming hero type vibe to it. Um, yeah. Super into it. I think it's a hundred page hardcover we're going to get. And then if they reach their stretch goal, which is $55,000, uh, they're going to add an extra 20 pages and we'll have a 120 page graphic novel. So Lovely stuff. It looks awesome. The art's really nice. Um, Matt Groom is a good, good writer. He wrote a uh, self-made uh, image a couple of years ago, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm really into this. And, um, yeah. I think I am too, man. I think, like, the way that superheroes are updated for every generation, I kind of like it that we're in an age at the moment where that 90s era of sort of Japanese-style power ranger esque beetleborg uh vr troopers Troopers, that was exactly (laughs) the one god i watched those three so much um but i like that that is kind of being readdressed i think people our age are now making the things that we watched on telly and sometimes i just think the market is made for me at the moment it really Definitely. Um, I, I think that was the thing with Radiant Black, that it felt like it was that exact thing aimed at 30-year-olds. So, yeah. And this, I like that it's that similar feel and the designs are incredibly cool. Um, 
and it's interesting i i think there's a tendency for this kind of thing to focus in on like um a predominantly male group of heroes or a singular male character so it's nice that it's female-led and yeah i think it's a cool feels like a progressive take on yeah power rangers which i think they managed to do that in power rangers well didn't they like i've I've not read a lot of power rangers and would like to uh to catch up on some of that Mm. but i know that like kimberly gets quite a lot of her own story and and kind of agency and i think kyle higgins is, is perhaps aware of the uh male tastic <laughs> yeah uh potential for these stories and and seems to be actively trying to avoid the, the pitfalls i think i think that's definitely true and it's something we've got i'm, I'm kind of curious in radiant black as as well as we're going to get more um as we're going to get more superpowered people introduced are we going to get more of a balance than we've seen in traditional power rangers um, which would be cool. I also think there's an inevitable kind of Inferno Girl Red Radiant Black crossover in our future, and most certainly, yeah, that's going to be awesome too. I imagine it's well, it's at least going to look awesome. I don't know how. <laughs> we'll have to see how the two stories collide, but yeah, yeah, I'm kind of into this. Yeah, I think it's as you said, we are definitely the people this is aimed at. So sweet, mm-hmm. good. Next on my list uh, is that the new Magic the Gathering comic series through Boom Studios has uh, has had 85,000 copies ordered for their first issue. That's Shows the power, power of licensing. But I've got to say, like, uh, I play a bit of Magic, and in a similar way to sort of Warhammer, I've always liked the aesthetic but I don't know a lot about the law differently to Warhammer is I actually enjoy the game of magic. Yes. Fair. Uh, um, and not, not so much the game of Warhammer, which has always been a bit of a barrier for me, but in comic book form, I feel I can learn about some of these little fiery and electrical and scary people on my cards. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, I know very little. I know little things like, um, I know the same locations come up time and again, and you kind of, if you follow the art of the cards, like all the way back through all of time, you see like the same, lo- the same locations reappear, particularly in like the um, man- mana cards. Is that the thing? Lands? Yeah, land. land. Lands. There we go. Uh, I know you see like repeated locations like getting older and falling apart and things like that. I also mm. had um, a friend use a one of the Amon Cats um, magic D&D crossover things in a D&D game I was running, which meant I had to read a load of Amon Cat lore, which... <laughs> so for... There was a period of about a month where I knew like loads about Amon Cat, and then like the next, as soon as it was like, oh, the next I, wave. Yeah, can I forget about this and just get on with my life? Thank, yeah. thank God. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's definitely there are definitely the hints that I've seen that there there must be an interesting background to everything. Um, 
it's just a, a background that's always felt dense and hard to approach. So yeah, maybe comics are the way for us to get into it. Let's be honest. I think that could be could be a, an avenue in. But yeah, like you're saying, with the the connectivity of the cards and the almost background stories, it's a really great card called Forbidden Friendship. And when you play it, you get a a human and a dinosaur. And without saying anything, sort of insinuates <laughs> what, what might be going on. And then in other cards, there's one called Capture Sphere, which sort of means your opponent can't use one of their creatures. But the, the image on that is the dinosaur in like a magical sphere and the human on the outside, like banging on it, trying to get in. And this story of the forbidden friendship just sort of lives in the background of different cards. And I think that's that's really great. That That is pretty cool. And yeah, I, I would like to see how that translates to comic booking. Do we know who's writing the comic? Jed McKay. Maybe I don't know who that is, and this has all been for no reason. <laughs> Jed McKay. I bet you've read some Jed McKay because apparently he's written some Absolute Carnage, Miles Morales, and Absolute Carnage Weapon Plus. That definitely sounds like stuff that's unfortunately crept into my life. It has just been bits of Marvel. It looks like um, some Black Cat, some Spider Man, that sort of stuff. Anywho, magic. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I am kind of interested. I, I wasn't sure I was going to be, but I was in the same go. sort of in the same sort of way that I am quite kind of interested in Marvels, um, like Warhammer Forty K comics. Because again, like aesthetically, I just think it looks rad. Yeah, but I don't. I don't really enjoy the game, so I've, I've bounced off time and time again. But in comic form you, you might have me there i can see that maybe this is something that will come up for a future um roundup yeah is it is the issue out in april is it may i can't remember the first issue of magic's already out i think oh well maybe that's uh, imagine if we did some planning <laughs> <laughs> how organized we could be um I'm all tapped out for news. Have you got anything else? The last little bit I've got is just any anything interesting from Free Comic Book Day. That uh, with a bit of luck, we might actually be able to do in person. <laughs> I think they've pushed it back now, haven't they? To August, June, August. August sounds more right than what I said. Um, and I think the only announcements I've seen so far is I know Valiant are doing like a Valiant sampler type thing with a bunch of different story I, story previews i think harbinger was the one that got the most like um focus in what they announced so it's called valiant uprising and mm-hmm. exo manor wars on the the kind of main guy on the cover and then you've got harbinger shadow man and ninjack it looks like are the interior stories okay let's be honest we're going to be uh, into that some of the others like stray dogs free comic book day it's about dogs so five out of five (laughs) best best story ever written um resistance uprising i kind of feel like this this whole resistance um awa connected universe only exists on free comic book day yeah i i know of it but nothing about it which i think Maybe that's something I need to look further into. I think that's, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, maybe it's worth a read. The, there's uh, Avatar and 
Legend of Korra, Free Comic Book Day. Huge fan of the cartoons. I've never really read any of the comics. No, but, neither have uh, I. Interested to pick up a free sampler and see how that's see how that's going. Mm-hmm. There's going to be uh, an issue of We Live called We Live Last Days, uh, okay. a book we've we've talked about before, and I think we both really liked. Yeah, we did definitely. So yeah, there's a few few pretty interesting looking things for Free Comic Book Day this year. That no, that sounds good. Um, I hope we can do it in person, and we'll try and do a like. Bigger than Capes free comic book day roundup mm-hmm. thing. I think I'm sure we can. However, that will work. Yeah, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we could do that. We'll do like a power podcast. It'll be like four hours long, and we'll cover <laughs> <laughs> cover everything. But then I'll um I'll speed it up in logic, so it'll actually only take one hour. So. <laughs> Just like chipmunks. Chipmunks screaming at each other, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what, that's what our listeners want, right? They can slow it down if they want. I'll, I'll, I'll tell them how. <laughs> um, Why would you want to? Yeah, you know, if you, if you can, like, have a full podcast in, like, a quarter of the time, isn't that what you really want? That's what the new world's all about. Speed. It's all about pace. That's right. Taking all the fun out of something you enjoy. <laughs> um, so that that's been a good little news section. We've actually uh, had things to talk about. Had things of interest, at least to us. Yeah, I'm proud of us. We've... Sorry, the internet. <laughs> Apologies to everybody else involved. Um, so this week we are here to talk about four kids walk into a bank, um, which was our April. Manchester Comic Book Club book. Um, I'm going to thread in now so I don't forget that next month's meeting will be for Tetris, The Games People Play by Box Brown. It's going to be on the 4th of May. And um, as I assume, we're still going to be on Skype. We're, st- we're still open to basically anybody jumping in to talk to us. We're, we're not picky. No, absolutely. Come um, along. I do hope that this... I'm hoping that this year is the year that we get back together in person, though. That would be really nice. That would be really good. Uh, I would just miss hanging out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The Skype has been been all right. It's it's done us us proud for what we needed. But, yeah, it'd be nice to actually see people for reals. One of these days. And um, incidentally, yeah, I'm tying everything together real well. When we, when we are allowed to meet in person, we'll be back at Travelling Man, who just so happen to be our sponsors. Hurrah. Oh, yeah. So Travelling Man are based in Manchester, Leeds, York, and Newcastle. Uh, they get you covered for all your comic books, Magic the Gathering, graphic novels, manga, board games, role-playing games, Angela's favourite, the Funko Pops, and... Uh, yeah whatever else you need uh they're officially back open again as uk lockdown has been eased and normality quote unquote resumes i'm very much <laughs> looking forward to going back in yeah smelling those pages um deeply unhappy about that sentence but <laughs> just leave the silence will um also still available to be more poetic <laughs> Um, 
if you figure out how to do that, please let me just uh, send me a different soundbite to fix this. Um, sure. They'll also be available still online at travelingman.com. So, um, yeah, hit them up, get some stuff. Get some stuff, or what else are you doing with your money? That's a good point. And um, <laughs> one of the things you could pick up is Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, which is from Black Mass Studios. It's Matthew Rosenberg, it's Tyler Boss, and it's Thomas Mauer. And um, in a nutshell, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank is... The story of Paige and her friends stretch Walter and Berger as they discover that Paige's dad and his friends are going to rob a bank. And the best way to save them from themselves and stop them from robbing the bank is for the kids to rob the bank first. Genius. It is, isn't it? It's just a good plan. Um, (laughs) And that's basically it. That is the long and short of it, I think, is... That's yeah, it's a great elevator pitch. You've got the uh, got the key strokes in there. Thank you. That's, that's what I'm here for. I think most importantly is that this book is brilliant. Yeah, I am. Um, I really like this book. I I read it a couple of years ago and I thought it was good, and then revisiting it in the last couple of weeks, it's been like, yeah, yeah, it's really good. This is. Yeah altogether ridiculous but in like the best kind of way absolutely and i think from as you've described it uh it's it's kids trying to rob a bank to prevent adults robbing a bank it's a silly kind of premise and i think this book on like multiple occasions and multiple levels clashes the silly with the like hyper serious and yeah the consequences of the antics of these kids who like I say have this kind of crackpot plan (laughs) that is definitely not going to work and when it gets underway there are some serious I don't want to say consequences again I feel like I've said it too many times but that's what they are they're serious consequences (laughs) that that that's true serious consequences and um I just think this is one of the like best standalone graphic novels. I think that the structuring of it is really well put together. I don't feel like there's any wasted space. Every joke is funny. Every action sequence works. It's kind of all builds up to the final couple of issues where we get this. You know, the final issue, the final issue, we get this kind of heist movie in like, 22 pages or something like that 24 pages maybe um and it flows exactly the way it needs to and i think that's true throughout i think we see the comedy and the action perfectly paired up and then yeah just just good stuff will i it's real good stuff i mean you, you you comment there on the like structure i really like each issue starts with the kids kind of playing, but also sets up the plot of the rest of that issue. Yeah, so we and, start with like Dungeons and Dragons, and then and you've arcade got like, games, um, and yeah, and uh, like remote control cars. Yeah, and, but I think the characters are so well voiced and realised that even when they're shown on screen as um, 
or on page, more to the point, as like a, a anthropomorphic pig with an eye patch and a burning sword, you still know who it is because just what they say identifies them as who they are straight away. Yeah. And I think that's really that's really, really great. And it allows the comic to branch out into the like unreality. Um which is often I think where comics are at their best. Like talking about as we were earlier about like Power Rangers and stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the big drawbacks is that it costs a huge amount of money to make it to make it look better than it did in the nineties, which is, let's be frank, kind of crappy. But when you're drawing it, like your imagination is the limit and these little issue intros allow for the imagination to be like at its wildest. Yeah, definitely. And there's such good attention to detail that he's kind of so dumb, but so perfect in those scenes. Um, And I think ultimately there's a level of relatability, especially in like the D&D sequence. That's so just like, yeah, I think we've all played this this equivalent of Dungeons and Dragons where someone just doesn't want to do it, but they're playing anyway. And everyone's got ludicrous expectations, but the rules prevent them. It's a good tenement of most people's childhoods, I think. We have a group of friends and one of them's a knobhead, but you keep them around anyway. You stuck with them, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that That is very true. And, okay, Burger is kind of the worst frequently, but he does have some, if not all, of the best jokes. And much like I did in Comic Club, I want to defend Burger. I think he is pretty much a jerk consistently throughout i think when things go wrong it's broadly because of burger yeah maybe but i can't help but empathize with the fact that i just get the feeling he really wants to be liked and uh that's not always happening for him i think that's why he lashes out i am maybe i I see a lot of myself in poor burger no i feel you i thought I I like Burger more than I think most would. Um, I do need to ask the question. Have you got a favourite Burger scene? I mean, I think uh, his, his end point in the story, not to give too much away, I think is a, a, a pretty... It's hard to say it's a great bit. But uh, in the lead up to that, he's got some pretty excellent lines. But there is a scene of him uh, running away. Is he distracting some police? Yeah, he's distracting the police to kind of lure them into an alleyway so that they can be boxed in. Runs down an alleyway and trampolines over a fence like a a glorious swan. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, While the sort of onomatopoeia, I think rather than having a sort of a whoosh, just says, fuck you, in big letters. Yeah. <laughs> he flies over a fence. And I just thought that was hilarious. Which uh, it is real good. And I, while we're on the kind of um, onomatopoeia sound effects, I think that um, Thomas Mauer, who does the lettering, I think 
his choices throughout this. So we've got a scene with Walter throwing up orange soda while saying I'm I'm in and Yeah. There's just some really good uses of yeah, some really good uses of sound effects. Um another favorite for me is Burger smashes a like transformer with a rock and the sound effects for the rock falling is just dick move which dick move yeah i don't think any of them actually represent a sound like i think all of the onomatopoeia is sort of a joke <laughs> i you know what yeah because even like getting hit in the face with a dodgeball is accompanied by just the word jocks so <laughs> it never gets old either like every no, time it's, it's I, funny I, I think it's because it's something you don't see in comics. So when people when it, you just commit to that joke, it's funny. Um, to go the other direction for Burger, I think my favorite favorite Burger scene is um, so. There's a point where they're in the arcade and they order a pizza, and his dialogue with the waiter is like they're in some really fancy restaurant. So his dialogue is like. We'll have a pepperoni to start. Is the Sprite fresh? <laughs> and I don't know what it is, but there's something about is the Sprite fresh that just fucking killed me when I was eating real clicks with you. Um, <laughs> it's just good stuff, you know? But I think, as you say, I think all the characters are well-developed. And while I think we both latch on to Burger, I think, is it Paige, Stretch? And Walter. And Walter, um, I also think are really great and pretty well fleshed out characters in a you know in a short period of time. Yeah, and th- it feels like from the first couple of pages, you entirely know who these people are. Um, and she's kind, kind of, of care amazing. and care about them, you know, care about their adventure and whether they succeed or not, and. Uh, and the dangers they face and then the decisions they make, like I think it's a really good job of, of creating these characters just feel like they've hit the page fleshed out. Yeah. Which I'm not sure how early this was in Matthew Rosenberg's like comic book writing career. Um, which isn't something I've thought about because I've read quite a few of his books, but yeah, this does feel really well considered and really well planned. I think every character feels like quite detailed. I think even when we see like the um, antagonists, so Vernon, Hayes, Silk, and Skinhead Mike, even <laughs> though they're all kind of like almost stereo- stereotypical, like criminal characters, which I think is also done as a reflection for like how the kids see them. So they're like really simplified down. So yeah. Skinhead Mike is just a Nazi who, well, just a neo-Nazi who eats licorice. The end. Just like a potato with a swastika on his face. Yeah. Like no other details. Vernon feels like he's got this kind of almost old film style thief. Leather jacket wearing. Yeah ruffian (laughs) um hayes is just just an idiot nothing nothing else to hayes really is there he's just just a good old-fashioned idiot yeah Um, and then we've got silk who 
we're told is like killed four people. No, has been accused of killing four people, actually killed three of them, but then just gets the living shit beat out of him for the entire book. He's, he's the the butt <laughs> of every joke. <laughs> yeah, and he's he gets set on fire, he gets an orc shot in his eye, he gets punched a lot, he just takes a real beating from start to finish. And maybe that's not a stereotype for a criminal, but it is funny. i think it is for that like comedy criminal a la uh home alone yes yeah definitely they're supposedly successful criminals but they are thick as a pair of planks definitely and i kind of love it for that i love that it's got this kind of serious undertones but with this like wacky 80s comedy vibe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I really like it's it's super self aware that it's a comic, and in a lot of cases, we'll have little caption boxes, clearly from Page's point of view, reminding the reader who people are and what their relationship yeah. is. But they're always really like snappy and funny, and sometimes I think a lot of narration can be a bit laborious when. Mm more often than not the story's better told through the art than having the art and having it described to you at the same time yeah but in this i think they they're just as snappy as the dialogue and they're they're fun to read but um one bit i really really like is i think it's about page 71 so we're talking whew, issue 3 and okay. uh, we get the first actual sighting of the bank and the caption read, look, it's the fucking bank, finally. <laughs> I yeah. think yeah. it's called Four Kids Walk Into a Bank and the bank appears only in the third issue and the creators know that and make a joke of it. It's really fun to read. That is very true. I think there is, yeah, definitely a self-awareness, like... I've spent two and a half issues setting up that they're going to rob a bank. So at some point I'm going to have to show you the bank, Um, which is the kind of, it's the kind of self-aware writing that I'm into. It's, it just feels funny and it is funny. It's, yeah, it's just well done. I think, like I say, I don't think there are any jokes in this that don't hit. I think this is just well put together comedy. Um, and I think so much of the comedy is through the art. I mean, I think the art in this book is fantastic all the way through. It's hugely varied. Um, I mean, there are pages with like tons of panels. Mm. Um, and there are pages with that are just huge spreads. There are pages of the book that are almost silent and the art just tells the story. I think the art on the whole is kind of broadly simplistic yeah it's quite Uh, stripped down it's not going for high detail but within that again kind of clashes the childish and the silly with the severity of what they're doing i think really well and i think the art complements the story tons in that in that way Mm, that that's very true um I just really like this book, Will. 
is well good, isn't it? I mean, looking through it again, like the colouring's quite simple. Um, and sometimes you'll have whole pages that are almost coloured in the same the same way. But I think it's also really, really effective when it wants to show whether it's kind of blood or, uh, well, in Walter's case, lots of vomit, or sometimes just a very kind of dramatic moment. Um, I'm thinking of the page. There's a big double page spread where they rob a candy store in preparation uh, for robbing the bank. Mm. And it's almost entirely in black and white, shot as if it's through a security camera. But the trail that they make through the store is kind of a red dotted line that shows where they've been. And within that, there's comedy. There's like stuff knocked over. Um, And I just think that the swapping color into that is superb and really sets almost like a camera view. I I can imagine this in my mind. That, yeah definitely and it's just hard to find fault there's aspects to this book that like the first few pages so we've got like a black mask presents um a boston rosenberg comic book with thomas mauer four kids walking to a bank and then a full list of credits but every single one of them is done like an old school um slide projector like at the start of a film and shows something that's happened before this so we see like um page's 10th birthday a science mm-hmm. fair where burgers volcano is actually on fire uh <laughs> stretch and page playing hockey and then page on christmas day with the dog under the christmas tree and it's like the fact that even before the book has started, we've got these like opening credits pages that show like the friends and the family and what's brought us to this point, I feel like is a tremendous amount of effort that people don't put into enough comics, if that makes sense. I think. It, yeah. It feels like there's a certain labor of love involved in this. Um, a real desire to have this both made and be sort of as good as it possibly can be. And I think the creative team have have pretty much nailed that. I mean, I'm just flicking through the pages and thinking it's so well paced. There's barely a page in the book. I don't look at and think either that was funny. That was tense. That was exciting. Like it's just, there's something interesting all the time and it sets up mini mysteries. There's a, 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 a period of time when they've got a lockbox that they've stolen from her dad and his friends. Yeah. And you don't know what's in that lockbox and that kind of takes a while to be revealed. So beyond the kind of a story, I think it's really good at wrapping in B stories. There's a point where they sort of fall out and using the CB radio as a really great page where when page, when Paige the character is talking, <laughs> not Paige the page, and getting no response, it's just panels of static. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we get introduced to one of the finest characters. Oh, Captain now, is Glory he a cap- Hall. Is he a captain? What was he before? <laughs> um, I'm not sure what he starts at. He definitely is Captain or Glory is, Hall. Or does he, is he a Dr. Glory Hole as well at some point? <laughs> I'm going to have to check now, which feels dumb, but thanks. 
Is it the first issue? The first, like, CB radio? Yeah, and then he comes back in about the fourth issue or so. Yeah, he's he's Doctor Glory Hall, and then he's Captain Glory Hall later. Good. Who somehow ends up being like an, a real MVP of <laughs> the, the whole <laughs> he does plot. End up being like, much more involved than one would expect. Which awesome in a way, I guess. Yeah, I, I feel like that. There's quite a frequent thing where particularly in like 80s kids comedy action stuff that you know they always end up knowing one resourceful either intentionally or completely accidentally resourceful grown-up who's helping out but not really sure why um yeah i I feel like that's a, a quality stereotype we often get and here just happens to be captain glory hall dr glory hall right it does mr glory hall um to you, sir. Who the, the kind of man who you can get who can get you some angel dust or can get you a gun. <laughs> well, only a flare gun, apparently. Which, you know, still a type of gun. <laughs> well yes. Um <laughs> I think I, I don't know whether people would find it maybe hard to come to this book because and I think this is a real positive, it's hard to categorize. Yeah, this is like a comedy heist action. I don't know what this book is. Yeah, okay, well played. Like at its core, <laughs> I think you'd probably put it under like crime comics. But if somebody has come from the world of like Brew Baker and Phillips, this ain't that. That's that's right, and. Not to be that guy, but you're going to have a way better time with this. <laughs> <laughs> I think this will definitely appeal to a, a broader audience if it can find them. You know, like if if it can encourage people to to read the book, I think a lot of people would get a lot out of this. I think it's a, a real fun ride. Definitely. And I like the idea that maybe that's going to happen. I know we've got I think it was last September it was announced that this is going to be adapted into a film. So I'm kind of into the idea that this might get a little bit more attention once that adaptation happens. I don't know if it's going to be a big series project, if it's going to be an indie film, if it's going to be a director Netflix kind of guy. or. But I think any version of this that yeah brings attention to this comic and all right i i have a tendency to say this so sorry i i feel bad that matthew rosenberg has written this and he's written like um we can never go home which was also for black mask but like the bulk of his work has been for marvel yeah, I mean, I can't say I feel bad about it. I'm sure he's well, doing maybe well not bad. I'm, I'm sure he's doing all right for it. <laughs> I, I think that's the thing. I think I would just rather see that he got more credit for this and we can never go home than he than credit for like an X Men run that's already been forgotten about or a Punisher run that people have already yeah. gone past. I, I think. I, I think, unfortunately, like there are very few people that ever get recognition for their creator-owned work 
as much as they do their big two work. I mean, I even think of somebody like Grant Morrison. Yeah. Who I still think in most people's minds is most famous for Superman and Batman and X-Men. Yeah, no, that's very true. I think I think there's a bunch of creators who we've mentioned him already, like Ed Brubaker, despite the fact that, you know, Criminal and Fatal and The Fade Out and all these massively celebrated books, but still for most people, he's he wrote the, the guy. Winter Soldier. Yeah, the guy who wrote Winter Soldier. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, you get some like um, Brian K. Vaughan, I think is broadly recognized for his indie work more than his big two yeah i think he walks that line better than a lot of people um i actually think it's because his solo his solo work is considerably better than his marvel work in in many cases i'm a big fan of runaways but i yeah i think that the step in quality for me is quite noticeable i i, I agree i think he, I, whilst i think runaway is is good. I think Paper Girls is better. Yeah. And I, I also think that the recent like Rainbow Rowell uh, Runaways has ultimately showed us what the perfect version of Runaways could be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just kind of get the impression that sometimes creators like that don't put their full ass into it. <laughs> they, uh... Yeah, I, I've definitely heard that criticism of people who we love, like Jeff Lemire, who doesn't who, who kills it on an indie book and then kind of does you some X-Men, but does he, does he care that he's doing the X-Men or is it just happening? Really great example, actually. I think Lemire is one of those that's slowly gained much more recognition for his work outside of the big two than, than yeah. within. Um, but it's an interesting one. I just, I, I find it strange when you look at like the bibliography um, of Matthew Rosenberg and, it's like predominantly uh, Marvel books and then a couple of indie books and a couple of Archie books. Yeah, you know what? No, I'm going to put Archie as not that indie at this point as <laughs> one of the it's most successful American publishers of all time. I think there's an argument there that it's not that indie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to get into those arguments, isn't it? Like a, a, where a IDW and like turtles and transformers is that indie or is that corporate it's this is so off topic for the podcast but it is a place that we find ourselves because we whilst we pride ourselves on being all about the indie stuff some of the indie stuff we cover is arguably like massive multi-million dollar companies who <laughs> yeah but you know i love me some turtles yeah turtles all the way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think it's rather than feeling bad, I think it's a shame for us as an audience, because I know for, for at least you and I, we would, I would rather see Rosenberg doing more of this because I think this is excellent. And as you say, I'm just not that interested in the, in the concept of a standalone Punisher run that happened some years ago, um, it just I'm just not that fussed in reading that story. So I'd based on how brilliant I think this is, I would love for Rosenberg to do more. Yeah, definitely. Not even this style, but just where he's kind of let off the leash a bit and doesn't have to walk within 
the the very complicated multi-structure of a superhero soap opera that is completely fair and i think the care and attention to detail that has gone into four kids walking to a bank means that i i love this a lot more than like his x-men run which i also really like but this is better <laughs> i guess it comes down to and, and it, this is probably more about how i assess things but i would reread this yeah once i've read old x-men once it's very unlikely i'm going back to that yeah it's got to be real good for you to want to keep revisiting a superhero book i think yeah but i will reread this and i'll take great delight in doing so yeah i think we could put this on book club every year and people would be okay with it (laughs) yeah Every April, like clockwork, four kids walk into a bank. We'll, we'll just... We'll just come and talk about it again. Um, I hope but we yeah. make a sequel and it's called Five Kids Walk Into a Bank and then Fast and Furious, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank and then... <laughs> <laughs> we'll just take four kind of Ocean's Eleven or Fast and Furious approach where they keep doing it, but with yeah. slight differences. Different kids different bank i really thought you were going for different kids same bank just like why does this keep happening (laughs) but that that just Uh, reminded me of uh one of my one of my favorite things in this is there is a scene where they blow up captain glory hall's truck yeah and he dives out of it screaming is it just not again yeah not again um (laughs) And there's so much it's like i need to know more i i feel like there's this whole like captain glory hall flashback issue where we can see the last time this happened <laughs> i think it walks that tightrope really well of providing a little bit of backstory that you don't necessarily need to know but gives flavor and depth to the characters like, yeah we know that Paige's mum has committed suicide at some point prior to the opening of the book but we never really get any detail of that and i don't think you need it it's just understanding who Paige is and what her relationship mm. is with her dad why they are where they are and again with uh, captain knee dr glory hull um it's just funny to have a little taste of some of his insane adventures he's probably been on <laughs> you don't really have to see them like i just think it's funny to just to get that that little moment yeah and i think there's the stuff we get like we see um the bully turge and his mum who's the um Turgil. what a name uh, and his mum who's the manager of the bank we see them have a conversation like in their home, we see like the, dyna- the the dynamic between them, and it's like doesn't really add anything to the overall story, but just tells us a little bit that you know, like even at home, Turgil's a dick, <laughs> and just, yeah, so's his mum. <laughs> yeah, just sows enough it, seeds of like this is all you need to know about this family. I think it's that knowledge of character building that in probably four panels you get what you need to know for this character to fit into the story. Like I know, Mm. I know what your motivations are at least broadly. And I think that's, that's, uh, I think that is really like admirable 
storytelling. Definitely. And I think there's addition. There are characters in this, like the, uh, I can't remember his name, the foreign exchange student. Yeah. Uh, Is is he like Gerdis? I think, yeah, that sounds right. So maybe I can't remember his name. Maybe it's Gerdis. Who is like completely doesn't seem to serve any purpose. And then for like, a couple of pages it's like no no he, he was put here for this reason whilst he, he has no greater points he is here to like carry off a couple of scenes that it's he's essential that, like, he, he, but he's introduced and then disappears for ages i was thinking like what's he up to while they're like days worth of planning that he's just not just not involved just what's happening off screen for Gerdis. Yeah. Just yeah, an then absolutely like, regular kid. Just... Yes, just seems like a really normal kid, but you learn nothing about him because Paige and her friends don't care. Like, he's, if anything, just an annoyance to their plans. And the fact that he plays such an integral role at the end, I think it's pretty much just because he's there. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Just a tool they can use. And when they finally flee the bank, just leave him there. Just leave him stood at the front of the bank. (laughs) And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it it works. It's (laughs) it's bizarre that it does. And yeah, he like like we've said, he isn't exactly the most like valuable of characters, but he he fills a role that he is necessary in a really odd way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, it felt like his introduction was just for that, was just a joke of having a foreign exchange student while also trying to plan to rob a bank. Yeah. And then, like I say, because he does disappear for ages, you kind of think, oh, well, that's, that was quite funny and that joke's done with now. But it's all just, it's all just very clever setup to... <laughs> yeah throw him I, back in the mix right at the end i feel like everything is very well thought out and very intentional which is a nice it's a nice way to feel when reading a comic like someone has put just all the thought into every part of it and it feels the same with the art the coloring the lettering the design aspects the fact that there is a is somebody credited let's give them a name let's 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 go there let's find out who they are come on the fact that courtney menard is credited as designing the wallpaper and as i opened the first page and read that i thought what on earth does that mean (laughs) and then at the opening of every chapter there's this insanely cool like full page wallpaper <laughs> that ties into that particular issue and it's like oh okay that's well let's be wallpaper, honest that's mental i would, I would like it? to yeah wallpaper i would like to have on my wall but i get it and i get why it deserves credit like they're, they're cool <laughs> it, it's it's the only book i've ever come across with that credit in the opening pages and is that all they do is that the, the entire job of Courtney Menard, do, do, do they just design wallpaper for comics and everything else is? I think so, but I mean, it's that it's that attention to detail that I think permeates the rest of the book. 
Mm. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to find different ways of saying that it's really good. Yeah, I think I think we might have maxed out the ways we can say that now, and maxed out on goodness. Not not a bad thing. I think good story. It's it's a lot of fun, but there is also moments where the the kind of feeling of threat is very real. Mm. The consequences are legitimate. I I can go through talking about things that are funny all day, but ultimately I don't think that's of anyone's benefit but ours i I think (laughs) i think the overall message here is people should go and buy four kids walking to a bank yeah from traveling man online or in store soon hey um (laughs) captain advert or dr advert i'm not not decided yet you'll you'll figure it out and you can get whatever version of this you want it's you can get a paperback there's a hard cover there's different variant covers i know my cover is different than other people's um it's just it's just good and go pick it up yeah yeah it's a it's a highly recommended book for almost anybody who has any interest in comics and probably some people who don't yeah yeah and people who don't who just like good humor excellent storytelling great characters yes all of those things all of those things that's good it's good stuff good good stuff so i think at this point it's probably the time that we wrap up and say like i think so so um we've been will and zach this has been bigger than capes and remember that comics are bigger than capes bigger than capes wow that might have been the best one yet (laughs) 